0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Seton, there are things in life that are okay to cheap out on. You know, if you go to the car wash, just get the express wash. Yeah. Just, just a rinser. Right. And you can tidy it up at home. But speaking of cars, the one thing you should never cheap out on is your battery. I'm no tech, but I could tell you that you don't want to be with a bad battery, especially with winter around the corner, mm. and no one wants to end up with a lifelong... My buddy Mark has a car. He was over at my place the other day. Notoriously Cheap Mark. Is Mark. his nickname. Mark's car battery, I'm not kidding, the other day in Vermont, died in my front yard and I had to jump his car to get him home. Come
1: on,
2: Mark. Get
0: it together. Get it together, Mark. Go to Interstate Battery. That's why you need Interstate Batteries. I'm talking to you, Mark. America's number one replacement battery brand and the battery auto techs prefer three times more than the other brands. Keep your car prepared for anything, especially with winter. Get a quick battery test today to find out if your battery is going to go bad. And make sure you let your family know to check their batteries, too. Come on, family. Find your closest Interstate Batteries dealer at interstatebatteries.com. You can also check them out at Facebook. Interstate Batteries. They're made for you. They're made for Mark. They're outrageously dependable. Check out your batteries at interstatebatteries.com. That's interstatebatteries.com.
3: Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Broadcasting from the Mercedes man cave, this is Dan Patrick.
1: Welcome to the program. It's hour two. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick show. We'll check in with Paul Feinbaum, ESPN college football analyst and uh, great radio host. Voice of the SEC, we'll talk about uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa's decision to go pro, which I understand, I'm just not sure if I'm ready to risk a top five pick on Tua. And that's the same, you know, I feel this way, like Joe Burrow is has been great. I just don't know how that translates to the NFL. And some really, really smart football people have been on this show and told me how great he is going to be. Rick Neuheisel, who is as smart as anybody on that position and that topic, said that he looks like a more athletic Tom Brady. I mean, that's somebody who has no doubts about Joe Burrow. But, you know, maybe going to the Cincinnati Bengals will change a little bit of that. Uh, and then Tua, if he goes to the Dolphins or the Chargers or maybe the Raiders, uh, you know, you got Herbert from Oregon, who I'm still not sold on. I think he's got a lot of talent, but he might be this year's Josh Allen. Yes, McLovin?
4: But he's tall with a huge arm. The yeah, of NFL course. loves that, you know. Even with the emphasis on short guys, that's Josh Allen still went seven.
1: I know. I know. And I see what people I, and scouts and GMs, coaches fell in love with with Josh Allen. There's a fascination there of what he could be. I don't know if he ever gets there, but there is that fascination. that temp, We love potential. And Tua, they, it would concern me because I just don't know if the injuries are reoccurring. I don't know if he's going to have trouble throughout his career. If arthritis sets in. Look at Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley. I mean, he was Brandon Roy with the Portland Trailblazers. Like these guys started off and you're going, oh my God, these guys are unbelievable. I mean, Zion, we don't know about. Zion Williamson, I think, is the third heaviest player in the NBA. And he's not going to get smaller. And that's why I would not have him come back and play this year. He may want to, I would not have him come back and play this year. It would be just welcome to the NBA, get acclimated, get used to travel, being around the team, rehab, get ready for next year. Because I don't know if that's going to be, and this is his plant leg, when he goes up to dunk, and that's what his game is you know, centered around. But uh, yeah, just these injuries and trying to figure that out. And they're young athletes too. I don't know what Zion's going to be. I don't know what, you know, Tua Tonga-Vailoa is going to be. But if he is a smart football player and he patterns himself after Russell Wilson, then I think that, you know, he could be a very, very productive quarterback. I don't know if he's a great quarterback, but I think he he's certainly somebody you'd want as the face of your franchise. I, I, I do believe that. Uh, and And I hope that he's able to recover fully from it. And judging from the interviews yesterday, it, it sounds like, he thinks he is. Here's Tua talking about the injury and how they're viewing this as sort of a knee injury, not a hip injury.
4: A lot of the guys, you know, the general managers, the owners that I've got to talk to said the same thing. They they kind of look at this injury as like a knee injury almost, although it's not, you know, in a way that, okay, are we going to take a chance on this guy? Or would he be able to possibly do a pro day before the draft and whatnot? And really, the biggest thing they want to do is just see that we can you know move and we can just be back to how we were playing prior to the injury.
1: It's like a knee injury, but it's not like an injury. It's a hip injury, and <laughs> it's tricky and the only other athlete we look at with a hip injury is Bo Jackson, where you go, ooh, and that didn't end well, but can he have a pro day? This is where the scouts the gms they want to see the medical records on you. That's why the combine. I don't I derive don't too much out of it because you'll be like, this guy ran a 4-3. Okay, can he play? This guy bench-pressed 27 times. Can he play? The scouts will tell you they love seeing the medical records at the combine. That's really, really, really important. And the interviewing process is really important as well. All right, if you uh, would like to get in touch with the program, you can in a variety of ways. You can uh, email, dial us up, or tweet. We say good morning to our great radio affiliates. Around the country, numbering 362. We have breaking news. We played the breaking news game yesterday at this time. And this was the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy. Pauly says, we're ready to play the breaking news game again.
0: Man. Dan, I want you to finish the following statement reported by Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports. Okay. Sources. Okay. Baylor head coach Matt Rule. The New York Giants. Is finalizing a deal to be the next head coach of. The New York Giants. Would anyone else like to guess?
2: I'm going to say Browns.
0: Sources Baylor head coach, former head coach Matt Rule, is finalizing a deal to become the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Oh! The report is from Thamel and others. Wow! That he had scheduled to be in Carolina today, New York tomorrow. And Carolina didn't let him out of the building without the job.
1: I don't know if he's an analytics guy, McLovin, but I know that new uh, owner in Carolina was obsessed with somebody coming in who was an analytics guy. Yeah,
4: I think he's down with the analytics. Okay. Man, what a loss for the Giants.
1: I, you know, a source told me about, because uh, we were looking at Lincoln Riley, uh, Urban Meyer, and Matt Rule. Like, those were the guy, the college guys that might get jobs. This source of mine loves Matt Rule. Loves him. Over the other two. He said, not even close. And I went, golly, really? Really?" He said, yeah. Matt Rule, he thought, he thinks is ticketed for stardom in the NFL. Yes, Paul?
0: Matt Rule was at Temple, of course, and then Baylor, but he had one year in the NFL. 2012, he was the New York Giants assistant offensive line coach. Then he went to Temple, Baylor, and now the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Big, Big DP show fan I've heard from many people.
1: Well, he will be now after what I just said about him.
4: <laughs> but by the way, a lot of people say that. So you never know. if it's. Like, I hope it's real.
1: But, but this source said play calling, fearless. You know, like he he talked about him in glowing. Like you would have thought he was talking about Lombardi or something. It was just glowing praise here. We spent a good portion of the first hour talking about uh, Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones in Love at First Sight, which I've seen, you know, probably uh, – most of Mike McCarthy's press conferences, and I just can't imagine him being that charismatic. Where he's going to walk in and Jerry goes, "I'm in love." What did What did Mike McCarthy say? And Mike McCarthy, you'll notice, and maybe maybe you didn't notice this. Uh, Peter King did Mike McCarthy a solid man, because Peter profiled Mike McCarthy, and you forgot about Mike McCarthy, and you were like, "Oh, that's right, Mike McCarthy." Like he had a a pretty decent decade there in Green Bay, and Peter did a profile on him, and Mike McCarthy was strategic in mentioning, you know, embracing analytics, and I think that that helped him get the Dallas Cowboys job. I really do, because I thought Mike McCarthy was going to the Browns. I I didn't know that Dallas was going to go this fall in love this quick. They just got divorced, and then. So that's like you get divorced after 10 years, and then you get married, like you go to Vegas for a honeymoon. Like, that's it. I'm getting divorced. We're finally going to get divorced, and I'm getting married tomorrow. Because I just had somebody sleep over at my house, and I'm in love. Yes, Todd?
2: I didn't realize he was in a bunker studying all these games and plays and breaking down all this video, all these months waiting for his next gig. So that, uh, I'm sure that had to have impressed him, too.
1: Mike McCarthy brings postseason pedigree to the job in Dallas. Got a Super Bowl. Ten career playoff wins. That's tied for second in the NFL uh, since he took over as the Packers head coach in 2006. So Belichick has 20. Then it's Pete Carroll, John Harbaugh, and Mike McCarthy. Teams with the fewest postseason wins... Since 2006, when McCarthy took over the Packers, the Bills, Bengals, Lions, Dolphins, Raiders, Buccaneers, Redskins, zero wins. Chiefs, Rams, Titans, two wins. Bears, Cowboys, Jags, Panthers, Vikings, three wins over that span. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, I was talking to um, a source yesterday about the whole Brady situation because I thought, because he listens to the show, so he says, you know, you you think Tom's going to stay there or retire? And I go, I, I just get that feeling that maybe Tom wants to put it out there that, hey, I can go elsewhere. And he said, you're making a big mistake here. And I go, okay, what are, what's the big mistake? Belichick is cold-hearted. He's not sentimental. He doesn't care about a scrapbook. He wants to move on. If he decides to move on, he's going to move on. Robert Kraft... We'll have the scrapbook. He'll be emotional. He'll be sentimental. This is Bill Belichick's call. And he goes, he, he said, I'm listening to what Brady had to say after the game. And I think he knows Bill Belichick has seen enough of Tom and wants to move on. And I go, how could you tell that? He goes, Tom, Tom, really? And like there was almost this, yep, yeah, I, I get it. It's over. Like almost this resignation. And I went, wow, okay. But not by his choice. This is Belichick. If Tom Brady's not back with the Patriots, now Brady may say, I don't want to come back. And I know that there's quotes that he didn't have fun this year. I don't know if you, unless you win the Super Bowl, I don't know if you have fun playing for Bill Belichick. I think it's a job. You go in and you play, you get paid, and then that's it. You win a Super Bowl, great. It was fun. This couldn't have been a fun year for him, obviously. But uh, I was told Belichick is cutthroat, cold-hearted, and is not sentimental. And I go back to the interview I did with Brady at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and I said, do you think that you'll ever get together with Bill and reminisce? And he goes, no. (laughs) (laughs) He couldn't even give you a fake answer. No. Like, it it was such a great answer because he's like, no, I can't see us doing that. Even when Belichick and Parcells got down to... Got together to do that special, the two Bills. It was so awkward. Like they were in the same room, but it looked like they were a million miles apart from each other there. So that was just what I learned yesterday uh, about Tua and how, you know, at least one scout is looking at Tua and wants to see the medical records uh, and then the Brady situation as well. Yes, Paul.
0: I still go back to a couple years ago. It always felt like Belichick wanted to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. For just this reason and didn't want him traded and that the trade was done by Robert Kraft to get this guy out of there?
1: Well, I go back and I know Tom Kern will probably disagree with me, the uh, great reporter for the Patriots, but I was told Tom went to Kraft and said, you got to make a decision here, you know, me or Gropolo and Bill, like Bill wanted Garoppolo. I mean, that's why he handpicked the team to send him to remember he was going to go to Cleveland. Or we thought he was going to go to Cleveland, and then he wanted to make sure he was going to go to a team with a good head coach or offensive coordinator, and that's why he handpicked the 49ers. Yeah, Tom?
2: Now, even if Tom Brady uh, deep down wants to leave, how important is it for him to make it look at some way, somehow, that he was forced out, just from his legacy and for the fans, that he wants it to sound like Belichick didn't want him as opposed to he wanted to get a fresh start?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a valid point. I, I don't, But I don't know if Tom... I. I'm going to guess the Patriot fans know what Belichick is capable of doing. Yeah, I I don't know how sentimental he is. I mean, he let everybody go. When you think about it, just about everybody. He was like, okay. In that situation, you can't have emotion. You can't. Now, Robert Kraft's going to have emotion because he's the owner. And what Tom Brady gave to him. Belichick probably thinks somebody else would have given this to me if you didn't. Yeah, Pauline.
0: That's why I look at a team like the New York Giants and they were emotional by keeping yes. Eli a season longer and drafting Saquon Barkley instead of saying, we know the future is not at all Eli Manning, near or long term. Let's pull the Band-Aid off now and grab Sam Darnold and move on with it. But they were like, you know what? He's done so much of the franchise. Super. Have a parade for him in four, five
1: years. And look at Jerry Jones that he, was, he treated Jason Garrett as his son and much to the detriment of that franchise there. At some point, you got to be Cold, cold blooded. Yes, McLevin.
4: Yeah, but doesn't Tom Brady give him the best chance to win by a mile next year? That's what I don't quite understand. I, I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody who's even close.
1: But if you had Jimmy Garoppolo still there, right? No, but now when you look at it, cold bloodedly, like well, do you like want to spend? Because Tom doesn't want to give you a discount, and he's he looked his age this year. Like like he beat Father Time, but Father Time's undefeated. Like, he he was, he was had beat it for a little while, longer than any other quarterback has ever beaten Father Tom. But, you know, you can't sit there and go, well, you know, he needs offensive weapons. When they, they did have some weapons, um, could they use more? I've never met a quarterback who goes, man, I'm full. I don't need any more offensive weapons. I don't know if Tom goes, you know, I'm going to stick it to you. Hey, I can go to the Chargers. They got a lot of weapons there. I'll show you what I can. I don't know. I don't know how ego plays into this. But I did think and still think that he will stay with the Patriots for one more year or he'll retire. Yes, he... When they had weapons, though, I'm pretty sure they went 6-0. and I mean, they started the season off pretty well. I don't know who their weapons are. The, right, but exact, that's
0: exactly the point, yeah. though, is that they saw all of their weapons fell off as the year progressed. Yeah. Right. Nobody saw Antonio Brown, that happening. Um, but, man, they looked pretty good when he was on the field that But morning.
1: that's why you realize how desperate they were to keep Antonio Brown. They know he's not a good guy, but Brady, you know, said to Robert Kraft, "Look, I I want to keep him," and I think Belichick did too because they knew they the cupboard was bare, they they didn't have any weapons. And, you know, Josh Gordon, I mean, they took a chance on him, and then Antonio Brown, it, it, you know, then it felt like that they were going to take another chance on Antonio Brown. Yeah, Paul. I, I
0: I'm going back to. I'm looking at the coverage. There's there's stories out there that the Giants could kick the tires on Jason Garrett. Mike Flora and others are reporting that know. that he was one of the people they were considering interviewing. That which is a long way from hiring.
1: Yes, but I think that they liked him a while ago. And that this is ownership because Dave Gettleman is in there still as the GM. I don't know what he thinks of Jason Garrett. But do you bring in Jason Garrett? You know, do you need Jason Garrett to beat the Cowboys?
0: You want to get away from 4 and 12 and get to a nice couple of 8 and 8 seasons to calm things down? <laughs> Did they almost hire him at one yeah, point? Yeah, I think so. Like he was at
4: like it was just him and maybe Coughlin or something. I can't remember what the transition was.
1: I, I I don't know. I'd have to go back and look, but I do think the Giants were close to hiring him many, many years ago. I also wonder about this with Mike McCarthy. When he was in Green Bay, I think Green Bay threw the ball more than anybody. Now he's in Dallas. Is Dallas going to be this passing offense? It felt like they were this year, and it felt like at least people thought they got off track because they weren't the same Dallas team that ran first, set up play action, and you know now it's Dak is going to be the guy we're going to load up and uh, go into battle with. And I, I so I wonder about that with Mike McCarthy. What what do the analytics say? What he wants to do with that offense there? Because you're bringing him in because he's an offensive-minded guy. Although, I do have to factor in what Aaron Rodgers said about him. Where he talked about his low football IQ. And I just don't... It just seems like they fell in love really, really fast with Mike McCarthy. Like, that would have been one where if you said two weeks from now, they hired Mike McCarthy. Then I'd go, okay, you did your due diligence. This guy hadn't coached. And now you bring him in, he embraces analytics, and then you fall in love with him. Yeah, McLovin.
4: Remember when uh, he first came in and he rejuvenated Favre really quickly? Favre was going down fast. Yeah. And he, Mike McCarthy was a cutting-edge genius. Then he did it with Rodgers. Like, this guy is on top of it. Then how did he become so passe so quickly? He really did.
1: I don't know if Aaron Rodgers neutered him like it at, to the point where Aaron just said, look, I'm going to call the plays here or I'm not going to run the plays that you want to run. I, I don't know, but it felt like he was emasculated there a little bit. I'm also curious, you know, the Panthers have hired Matt Rule as their new head coach. What's that mean for Cam Newton? I mean, is he getting a fresh start? Some Somebody's going to take a chance on Cam Newton and... That could be a really you know, interesting chance, a great chance. I would take a chance on Cam Newton if I'm one of these teams. Let's say New England. Just throw that out there, New England. Would New England be interested in Cam Newton? Would the Chargers be interested in Cam Newton? Are the Raiders going to move on? Like You have the draft, and then you have a couple of quarterbacks here that you still have to factor in.
0: Yeah, Paul. Dan, if you look at the draft order, Cincinnati number one takes Joe Burrow. Miami at five needs a quarterback. The Chargers at six are definitely in play for a quarterback. Carolina at seven, definitely in play for a quarterback. Then Jacksonville is nine and has a few first-round draft picks. So it could get saucy after, uh, after the first four picks.
1: But if I'm the Giants, I'm open for business to trade. Because if the Chargers want to leapfrog, and you, and you decide that you want your pick of Herbert or Tua, and you move up there, that, that would be... Because Washington has their quarterback, or at least they think they do, and Cincinnati's going to get their quarterback. Uh, Detroit is in there. They got their quarterback. So does somebody want that fourth spot? And in that fourth spot, they can decide on Tua. Is somebody going to leapfrog the Dolphins? Sir? Would the Chargers do that? Would Carolina do that? that that'll that be interesting. Yeah, McClellan.
4: It could be the best free agent quarterback class in the history of the league without even a close second. I mean, you could have... Three Hall of Famers changing teams, possibly. I mean, I doubt it, but Breeze, Breeze, Brady, Cam. Yeah, I doubt Breeze. Don't you? No,
1: I, he's New Orleans. I I can't see him playing elsewhere. Oh, and I, Rivers. Too. If, if if Sean Payton went elsewhere, then I could see Breeze maybe. But Sean, or you know, Drew Breeze is New Orleans.
4: Also, Rivers and Eli. So it could be five. I don't know about Eli. Yeah,
1: I I can't take a chance on Rudy
4: Rivers and going back to Carolina. When, I know he's from Alabama, yeah. but.
1: All right, we'll take a break here. Paul Feinbaum will join us, get his thoughts on uh, Tua and what he expects out of Tua as a professional quarterback. Uh, We'll talk to the voice of the SEC coming up here, 21 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show.
5: What's happening, everybody? This is the official Official Lakers Lakers podcast. podcast. I'm your host, Mike Trudell. Super pumped to be here flanked by Aaron Larsoul. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let's, Let's
1: get, get it. it.
5: I think the Lakers will be a top 10 defense. Okay, you're calling your shot again. A, little pass
1: by Anthony Davis. a team that has two stars or two superstars in this case, as LeBron and AD, can sometimes cancel each other out. But I think they're both good candidates for MVP.
5: I really like the way that this team uh, just feels to be around. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, it's a it's a very clear message. It's two stars in LeBron and AD, and it's everybody else that's on board.
1: The relationship that is developing between those two, off the court and on the court, their cohesiveness on the court. I think in this case, this is a special case that the two of them will enhance each other as opposed to taking away from each other.
5: Be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One.
1: I mentioned a source uh, that I have, loves Matt Rule. And uh, he just uh, sent this to me again. He says, Rule has a unique toughness and leadership quality. Players love him. Good evaluator on both sides of the ball. Limited uh, NFL experience. Uh, He just got hired as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. All right. You know, it's been all quiet on the Cleveland Browns front. They're going to hire their coach before their GM. I don't understand that. Yeah, Paul.
0: They interviewed the defensive coordinator of the Niners, and I wonder if it's quiet because he's still in the playoffs or they have a playoff co- assistant coach
1: that I'm, they're looking at. I'm guessing they do. Now, I don't know. Would the would the Ravens offensive coordinator, is that Greg Roman, would, would he take the Browns' job, McLevin? Probably. He's been around a long time. I know, but he's the offensive coordinator for the Ravens. Yeah. Would he take the Browns' job?
4: It's kind of like... Vic Fangio last year, like, the, if you've been in the system forever, don't you want that shot? Yeah,
1: but you'd be going to the, a team in your division.
4: He been, has Roman been a head coach? But he might have been. He might have interim. Uh, what about also Kevin Stefanski, the Vikings coordinator? He's mm. a hot name for the Browns. Mm. Exciting. Mm. Ed Stefanski's son, by the way.
1: Uh, Paul Fe- thank you, McLevin. Paul Feinbaum, ESPN radio host, uh, Paul Feinbaum's show, and the voice of the SEC joining us on the program. Good morning, Paul. How are you?
5: I'm great. By the way, uh, I think the, the Matt Rule hire is unbelievable. Uh, I've interviewed a num- him a number of times, and he he did something fascinating a couple weeks ago, Dan. He's a huge college football fan, obviously, in addition to being a coach. He may be the only college football coach I've ever known that admitted that he listens to sports radio. Uh, I, I I used to be at uh, WJOX in Birmingham, as you may remember, and we're still on there in the afternoon. And when we had him on a couple of weeks ago, he said, yeah, I drive to work every morning and I listen to that station in Birmingham. And this is in Waco, Texas. I mean, who admits <laughs> that they listen to crazy people like us?
1: Um, Tua makes the decision yesterday. I, I don't think anyone was surprised. But I am curious, just like it was with Kyler Murray for a different reason, he was signing a baseball contract, but he needed that affirmation he would going to be a top-ten pick once he got that then I think he made the decision that it it was easier for him. Did Tua get that affirmation from somebody that all of a sudden you're going to be a top 10 pick, maybe a top 5 pick, don't go back to Alabama?
5: I think he got as close to that as possible. What was really strange about this story is is a week ago, uh, as Alabama was getting ready for the Citrus Bowl, the official spin out of Tuscaloosa was simply that he was coming back and that a lot of other people were as well. And and I think that was just false enthusiasm, uh, kind of like uh, the night of uh, your uh, high school prom and everybody you know grabs hands and drinks cheap wine and says, we'll be best friends forever, and the next day you go off to college and never speak to the guy again. And I think uh, Tua got caught up in that. But it's always worth remembering something about Tua, and I don't mean this to be disparagingly toward his family, but his father uh, – runs the show yeah uh and and i think the father took a good long look he got what he heard he, he got what he wanted last friday when when Tua went to new york to be seen by a specialist uh he, he got the, the the wink and the nod that things are moving along and progressing and i also think there was a a, fina- a marketing uh side to it as well within about two hours after announcing that he he was leaving he signed with lee steinberg uh, most people may have forgotten, but that was the the subject of the Jerry Maguire movie. And uh, I, I think there, there's a lot uh, to be made off the field as well. The I mean, is a charismatic guy, Dan. And, and I think uh, the numbers that he will make off the field are pretty significant.
1: I'm curious who you think, what quarterback benefited the most from the talent around him? Because I, I've said all along, if LSU ever got a, a really good quarterback, then we would... You know, it'd be really amazing because we'd see all of these wide receivers in the NFL and we'd go, Oh, they went to LSU? I never knew that. Uh, You know, Clemson's got a lot of talent. Alabama's got a lot of talent. So, out of Tua, Joe Burrow, and Trevor Lawrence, who do you think benefited more from the talent they had around them?
5: I think it was probably Burrow uh, because Tua, to me, uh, throws one of the prettiest passes. I have ever seen. Oh, by the way, one more thing on what you just said. I had a, I had somebody come with me in New York a couple of weeks ago. And he said, did, did Odell Beckham really play at LSU? I said, yes, he did. He said, I don't remember him being there <laughs> because that was every wide receiver uh, that played under Les Miles. Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. I think Trevor Lawrence is a generational quarterback. I think Tua is. Joe Burrow had the best season I've ever seen, and I'm not doubting him. I, I swear, because I didn't see him have a bad series the entire football season. But yeah, I think Joe Burrow became part of a system that worked perfectly, and 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 you've heard Joe Brady, the 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 young guy who came over from the Saints. But, yeah. but what he did, in addition to calling great plays, is he changed the fundamental way LSU receivers caught balls. I mean, he drilled that into their heads in the off season, and that made it easier for for Joe Burrow, who who was flawless. So uh, there, there's very little wiggle room between that between the answer to that question, though.
1: The greatest season turned in by an SEC quarterback is who?
5: I'm going Joe Burrow, uh maybe a uh a nose hair ahead of Cam Newton, who in, in 2010 did absolutely nothing wrong. Uh the only thing he did wrong the entire season against uh, his head coach's uh warning, he tried to he tried to dive over on the next to the last play of the national championship game against Oregon to be the hero, and it turned out he was stuffed, and they kicked a chip shot, chip, chip shot field goal to win. You th- you
1: wouldn't put Manziel's uh, season up there?
5: Uh, Manziel, uh, yeah, I would put it up there. Uh, I mean, in, in terms of pure excitement, I'm, I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like it. Um, but, you know, man, the, the difference was, even though uh, Manziel and A&M beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa, they they also dropped a game or two that they probably shouldn't have. He he had a really uh, rough game. So, I'm trying to remember where it was. Uh, it's only been seven or eight years, but it, it to me, Cam's was was nearly. Uh, by the way, I mean Cam did lose one game. Excuse me, Cam did not lose a game, but yeah. he uh, but he, he never had a bad game though. Uh, and 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 Joe Burrow never Joe Burrow never had a bad series. So uh, those are two, those are the two best. I would put Manziel in there. Tebow is a little hard to quantify because. Uh, you know what he did was so unorthodox,
1: and he had a lot of talent around him as well. I mean, he he, oh. he was a great player, but he had he had a pro team around him there in Florida.
5: He did. Um, he, he did. It. He really did. Uh,
1: the state of the union in Alabama, with Alabama not playing next week for the national title, uh, you got your quarterback who's leaving. I know that they got other quarterbacks and a five star who's coming in, but is there any um nervousness there with alabama or is it just reload
5: uh it's reload but but i think it's a little bit of uh beating your head against the wall and saying I, I feel better when i stop but and i don't mean to write i'm not i'm not writing nick saban off but he's won two of the last seven titles dan that's great that's that's a career for almost anyone else but if Dabo Sweeney is celebrating next Tuesday morning in New Orleans, uh, the national championship, that will be three out of four years. You tell me which one uh, wins in a game of coaching poker, and and, and I think that's that's the greatest fear. Uh, you know, Alabama fans don't really know who to cheer for. Uh, they don't like LSU. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, cause, cause, uh, but but they they really dislike Clemson even more because Clemson is the one who a year ago today. Uh, beat them by 28 points, and, 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 and Alabama is still trying to figure out what happened that night in uh, Santa Clara.
1: But I, I, still, people think I'm crazy when I say this, that if I'm Dabo Sweeney, if Alabama's open and Nick you know, steps down in the next two years or so, I, I know that he's supposed to go back there, but I'd be like, I, I would not leave Clemson
5: to go back there. No, you're not crazy. You're 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 very smart for saying that. There's no way he'll go back there. A couple of years ago, I thought he would. I okay. sat with him at a banquet two years ago, where he was inducted into the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame, and he was teary-eyed and emotional. His family was there. It was you know it was a big moment for him. But that was that was a national championship ago, and the second one really does. Uh, it's like you know winning. Uh, you win. You know you have one number one hit with a million, a million. A million people have had that. Well, not that many, but quite a few. Having another one really solidifies you, and and he's now in rarefied air. Uh, to go back, he's got as, as great a situation uh, as any coach has ever had. Uh, he's beloved. Uh, if you, you've been there, Dan, it, it's it's just an unbelievably cool place where the only thing that matters is college football. And to, to go to Alabama to follow Saban is is, is insane. Uh, in, in all the the great transitions in, in history, uh, whether following Wooden or 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 Bryant or, or or any one of the the icons in college history, uh, I think this would be the toughest because I mean Alabama fans aren't really happy right now, and they went eleven and two, destroyed Jim Harbaugh in a bowl game, will finish in you know probably sixth or seventh in the rankings, and have, have the number two recruiting class, and it feels like Armageddon.
1: I know. I know. Uh, uh, by the way, you got an early Christmas gift this year.
5: Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> I guess you're talking about uh, Jim Harbaugh. No. Oh,
1: Lane Kiffin.
5: Um, that that was Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, <laughs> birthday, anniversary, all wrapped into one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's too easy all you need to do is bring back spurrier you'll you know then you, you yeah, have, you'll
5: have it made I, 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 talk about luck for kiffin he hires dj durkin uh, from the, the maryland coach who was fired in any other on any other day of the year that would be the biggest story in college football or it, at least within the state by the end of the day mississippi state had fired its coach and Kiffin uh, was just sitting there going, "Isn't anyone going to criticize me?" Um, I mean, he—he's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's going to be well. It is everything Lane does is a reality show, but this is going to be even more dramatic.
1: Wait, what? What was the Harbaugh? I know you and Harbaugh go at it. Well,
5: it was just uh, yeah, it was just Harbaugh playing Sabin last week in a in a New Year's Day bowl. That was that was. I mean, it's always. I mean, I'm. I'm I used to really kind of, you know, a little bit of schadenfreude with Harbaugh when, when he lost, but now, now Dan, it's, it's like, I wish he would just beat somebody, because, I mean, how many times can you go on a radio show and go, ah, <laughs> oh, Jim Harbaugh lost again to a top-ten team? I mean, it's becoming one of the, the, the it's like the, 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 record, uh, the record just keeps skipping uh, over and over again, so it, it's, it's no longer really entertaining.
1: You are, Paul, though. And we appreciate your time, as <laughs> always. Uh, thank you. Enjoy the national title game. Who do you have?
5: I'm like, LSU. Okay. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't expect that to change. Dan, it's a pleasure to be on with you again. I really appreciate
1: thank it. Thank you, bud. Happy New Year. That's Paul Feinbaum. Yeah. He's uh, ESPN radio host. Paul Feinbaum show. Yeah, I... You know, Dabo, Sweeney, and Clemson, they love this underdog role. Oh, woe is me. And, you know, we're lucky to get in the Final <laughs> Four. And I'm going, uh, I'm not buying that, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not going to buy that. I will say LSU, that offense has as many weapons as as much athleticism, as much talent as I've ever seen. I, I just I think the speed is incredible. It's, it's just it's so different. If you, and I did this on purpose, and it's not fair to Ohio U and Nevada, but I watched a little bit of LSU against Oklahoma, at this Now, it was on tape, okay, the game had already been played, but I wanted to watch it, and then I watched the Ohio-U-Nevada game in real time, the bowl game, just to see the difference in speed. And it is remarkable. And that's why I brought up that comment, that question to Paul. You have quarterbacks who look better because of the talent around them. That doesn't mean that they're not talented, but sometimes, you know, I go back to Dwayne Haskins, and being at the Michigan game in Columbus, I could have hit most of those wide receivers. And I'm being honest. They were that wide open. And I didn't, I didn't know, and I still don't know how good Dwayne Haskins is. I don't. And anybody who thinks they know is wrong. You, you don't know that. Because we, haven't, we don't have a large sample size. We have one season, wonderful season. And then you got sort of spotty season as rookie year. It's hard at that position. And even when you think you've got him figured out, you don't. You know, Tom Brady had a resurgence at, what, 36-37 when he was supposed to be on the decline. And then some, somehow he had this great resurgence. And he's winning an MVP and he's going back to the Super Bowl. You know, Peyton Manning, oh, it's over. He'll never be able to play. And then he goes to Denver and has an unbelievable season. We're, you're never quite sure. Cam Newton may reinvent himself. Kyler Murray, too small. Did anybody look at his numbers? He's the offensive rookie of the year. Kyler Murray was great. But is he going to continue to be great and want to be great and get better? That's the key. Lamar Jackson, unbelievable. Now what happens? Yeah, McLovin.
4: Don't forget Jameis Winston, wherever he fits in that puzzle. Oh, my God. He's all of those things combined. He,
1: he's everything you want and nothing that you want. He's, he's, I'm telling you, he's fascinating.
4: Remember Baker Mayfield? How everyone said he was delivered last. I mean, he was a full yeah.
1: Yeah, we we you know now his uh, his offensive guru is going to become head coach, and then you got Odell Beckham, and you got you got all these weapons. We got running backs. We got it all. And he had nothing. Yeah, Paul. Yeah,
0: Jameis Winston's like the guy. You walk in the building, you're not sure whether you rather have him starting for your team or the <laughs> other team. You're not sure which is better for you as a chance to win. Take a break here. Back after this. Everybody's got a to-do list. I
4: get one from my wife, drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk, figure out something to get out of the house so I can relax. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. The good thing, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Do you like extra money in your pocket? you like not having to drive somewhere to pick something up, this is a way to do it. It just may be the most rewarding thing on your to-do list today. That's geico.com.
2: Hey listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcast1.com. Clicking on the support this podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and of course, supporting. And now back to the show.
3: Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life.
1: Who's in the military, who just sent in a Walter Payton jersey and some Walter Payton pictures. This guy knows where, uh, where I lean, if you know what I mean.
0: Lieutenant Jack Lunum, Dan.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so he uh, sent in a Walter Payton jersey framed, and somehow I think that that's going to end up in Pauly's Ski Lodge in Vermont. <laughs> Is the Peyton jersey going to stay here?
0: Can I ask to take it home instead of stealing it from here in a week from now? I'm, it's a new thing I'm trying. Yeah. We I actually
1: ask you to take things home.
0: Yes. Uh, with all due respect, I'd rather, Paul, take it home. <laughs> 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 Let's just get it out of here. I' wow. don't you take it home? <laughs> Thank you. I think...
1: <laughs>
0: I think I was insulted as I. Was like, yes.
1: <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're yeah. maxed out in Peyton gear. Yeah. Let's uh, you know, he was ship on that eight. one up north. See, he was on the
0: 85 Bears. I don't know if you read about that. Oh, them. really? Yeah. Andrew,
1: have you heard of that team? Did the 85 Bears win? They won. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Google
0: it. What a many. Oh, no.
4: Yeah.
1: Oh, that's right. They had one. Yes, Ton. Not,
2: time.
4: They're not they're a selfish sweetness, team. Sweetness,
1: right?
2: <laughs> sweetness, was that his nickname? He's going to get just distracted. If we hang this somewhere, he's just going to be looking at it lovingly, and he's going to just do all of us no good. Yeah, you
4: should probably take it home. Why doesn't he send in a photo of uh, Peyton running in that Super Bowl touch? Oh. Oh, Oh, Too soon. What are
0: we doing? (laughs) I'm telling you, when he says this, Dan, and I'm not making a radio bit, I get really angry inside, (laughs) and I'd like to hit him, but I know I would get in trouble from corporate. Yeah, I
1: would prefer you didn't hit him. But when he
0: says Walter Payton didn't score in the Super Bowl, which is a fact, I really get upset, like, my shoulders get risen up. Why were Bears
4: fans so mad about that? Who cares? What's the difference? What are you
1: talking I about? I think because the fridge got a touchdown, William the refrigerator, Perry, and the fact that, well, I think that Peyton was upset. I think Walter was upset, if, I, if memory serves me correctly, that he didn't, get a, he didn't get a touchdown. He was a little dour in the post
0: game, and he did an interview one time and talked about it, and he said he was a little bit about that moment because he got shut down, he only had like 60 yards in the game. Yeah. But he said he was more disappointed that the ride was over. And he said he was the, he's just like, wow, that was such a great ride. I can't believe it's over. Who knows? And, and Dick always said it's his biggest career regret.
1: Do you remember what Super Bowl that was that we were in New Orleans? And were you with me? We no. Were, it, I, I, I joined the team two years later. Okay, so we were at the, either the Hyatt or the Hilton. Maybe, maybe 99, oh, oh, 2000. But, so I'm going into the hotel. And Walter Payton is probably a hundred yards outside of the hotel. And he sees me. Now, I've had interaction with him and always enjoyed his company, but I, I, I can't say that I really knew him. He, he runs over to say hello, and he kisses me on the mouth. And, and I tell this story to Paulie, and you can just see Paulie. He's got, like, hearts in his eyes. And he was like, oh, could have been me. What, what, what was that like? And it was one of those where he, he was just, he had so much energy. Back then, he had so much energy. And I remember him running over there, and I go, Hey, Walter, how are you? And he grabbed me and gave me a kiss. And I went, All right. Yes, yes Todd.
2: I had never met him, and uh, he was in the green room, and I went to say hi to him on a TV show that I worked on several years ago, and he pinched my tush. So he's a <laughs> super friendly guy. I was not expecting that. I had never met him before. I don't even think I ever spoke with him on the phone, and he came in. You and know it's amazing?
1: Todd's first new story in a decade. <laughs> I think that that I think it's breaking news. I never shared that. With no, you I think that actually made me new no. old story, too. No, you've told me every other story about five or six times. But that's a new story.
2: I went over, I shook his hand. And then as I'm leaning to shake his PR person or whoever the other guest was in the green room, he pinched my tushy. OK, all right.
1: Uh, Maury in Michigan. Hey, Maury, what do you have for me today? ADP, six hey,
5: DP, 6'2", and a little too much. Right. <laughs> right. So, Dan, my question for you is this Who benefits the most, as far as the teams in the draft order, from Tua declaring for the draft? Could it be my Detroit Lions?
1: You think somebody's going to trade,
5: trade up? I do, because the two teams before him don't need a quarterback, presumably, and uh, there's several behind that do. and I think there's going to be a, a good opportunity for the Lions to trade back, still get a, a player that'll make a difference, and hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully somebody really steps up and gives us another late first rounder or second rounder. But right. that'd be the wise thing to do, in my opinion.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Maury. Yeah, I've been talking about the Giants since they have their quarterback. As long as it's not a serious injury with Matthew Stafford, and you're sold on you know that situation moving forward. But, yeah, maybe somebody goes up to Detroit, uh, up to that spot, trades into it. Because somebody, we know this happens every year. Somebody's going to fall in love with somebody, and then they're going to go after him. I still think the Raiders are the outlier here. Because I I just believe John Gruden goes to Vegas with a different quarterback. Reggie Miller in the on-deck circle.
0: There are things that should
4: not be copycat killers. They exist. Those who are compelled to turn bloody fiction into a real-life horror story. He was inspired by the Joker. They do it because the acts give them power and control. The license to kill. Life imitates art, and unfortunately,
0: so does death.
5: In Reels and Podcast One, who brought you Murder Made Me Famous, comes the next great true crime podcast, Copycat Killers.
4: Join host Dr. J. Buzz von Ornsteiner as he analyzes true crimes based on Hollywood hits. New episodes every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One.
3: Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life.